What's up, guys? Welcome into Hockey Mountain High, your go-to Avalanche podcast, presented by Superbook Sports and Total Beverage in Thornton and Westminster. I'm your host, JJ Jerez. With me, Arif Dean. This is our post-game edition of the podcast, and what better day to do a post-game edition of the podcast than a seven-nothing victory, Arif? I mean, I, I'm out of words for this team and just what they're doing is so amazing. I mean, this is the Stanley Cup final, and they're running over the former champion seven to zero. I don't know if you wanted me to put this out in public, but after the first period, I ran into Peter Baugh, and he said, is this series over? And I'm, I'm not going that far, and that's, you know, media talking among themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was a beatdown. That was a Tampa Bay Lightning team that has no idea what to do and how to control this avalanche team. John Cooper's been talking about it since media day. We barely play this team. We don't know much about them, and that's the toughest part, and that is absolutely the toughest part because the Edmonton Oilers are no Tampa Bay Lightning. The St. Louis Blues are no Tampa Bay Lightning. But both of those teams, despite the Oilers getting swept, have looked better than the Tampa Bay Lightning have looked in two games against the Avs, and I really genuinely think for the first time in three years, for the first time in 12 series, the Lightning entered a series not the better team, and they're not sure how to handle that. Does that mean they're going to lose? Absolutely not. It's the NHL. The Montreal Canadiens were a Stanley Cup finalist. The better team doesn't always win. But in two games, the Lightning have not been the better team. They entered the series not the better team. And they're struggling with how to adjust to that. In tonight's postgame conference, uh, and the quotes from Coach John Cooper, he was basically saying that he doesn't feel his team has quite reached their full potential, their full style. You know, They haven't fully embraced the the structure that they need to be playing in but I can't really subscribe to that theory because I don't feel that it's been a case of Tampa Bay playing bad necessarily but rather they've just been outmatched and just outskilled by just, the, the just Avalanche. outclassed outclassed absolutely it's Out- not skill it's it's every part of the game and speed right yeah absolutely and that's something that I wrote in my game story that I'll have up after you know right around the time this podcast is done is it didn't take a Nathan McKinnon offensive explosion It didn't take one of those patented Kale McCarr, let me take over and dominate a game kind of things. It didn't even take Darcy Kemper or whoever the goalie is, you know, even Pavel Francouz stealing the show. It was a full team effort. It was a full effort of every guy on the Avalanche outplayed every guy on the Tampa Bay Lightning from the opening faceoff till the final buzzer and everything else in between. It's it's one team being outclassed by the other. Yeah, I mean, I want to look at real quick. Nikita Kucherov's night, minus two, zero shots on goal. Steven Stamkos's night, minus two, one shot on goal. I mean, those are two guys that have essentially been absent. I mean, Kucherov had a good game one. Stamkos did not. Stamkos has been invisible this entire series so yep. far. And yep. then tonight, the Avalanche were able to make both of those stars invisible. I mean, the Tampa Bay Lightning stars just haven't had good performances regardless. Kucherov had that nice play in game one, but I wouldn't say he had like a dominant game rega- uh, you know, otherwise. Mm-hmm. Victor Hedman, we haven't seen much from him. If anything, we've seen him making mistakes more than anything. He was brutal in game, game one, not mm-hmm. much of a better game Minus two. Minus three tonight. Yeah, I mean, when you lose 7 nothing, everybody on that team is yeah. lucky to come out with a zero rating, You're right. if, if anything. There's, so. there's two guys on their team with a zero rating, <laughs> one being Nick Paul, the other Mikhail Sergachev. Everybody else is a minus at least one. Yeah, so that's going to happen. So um, those guys haven't been that good, uh, if at all. Andre Vasilevsky, you know, like I, I, I don't know what is happening there, but Josh Manson beat him on a rush. Darren Helm put it top cheese over his shoulder. 16 years I've seen Darren Helm play for the Red Wings. <laughs> I've never seen him shoot like that before. Uh, Kale McCarr's shorthanded goal, like, 
it's it's just the, the strange part about a lot of these goals is the Lightning are like look at how much open ice they've had. The Darren Helm break, the Kale McCarr shorthanded goal. He kind of like Devon Taves was gonna swat it to clear it, and Kale just like picked it up last second. Like no no no, let's actually turn this into something. And he like he didn't rush into the offensive zone. He kind of like twirled through center ice. Like I'm gonna take my time with this. And Cogliano stayed back and said let's make sure he's onside. And he went in there and shot it like it looked like a beer league skate. Like it was. The Lightning are just not closing the gaps on the Avalanche. They're giving them all the space in the world. And then their last line of defense, their goalie, the best goalie in the world, is just everything is getting past them. Seven goals tonight, four goals in game one. Like, there's, there's nothing there from the best goalie in the NHL right now. Yeah, seven goals on 30 shots. And I think that was the biggest thing I was looking for going into this game is, is Vasilevsky <laughs> – going to be the Vasilevsky we've seen in the past. And I totally expected this game to be a 2-1 game. Uh, but, it, yeah, I mean, I again, I'm speechless with the fact that it wasn't a 2-1 game, the fact that it was a 7-0 beatdown, that, that it happened right out of the gate, right? Especially you looked at that third period from game one, and I remember saying, I think this is what the, the rest of the series is going to kind of play out to be. And, no, it took, what, three, four minutes for uh, Val Nichushkin to get that first goal on the power play. Um, with just a couple seconds ticking down. I mean, they scored on the power play. They scored five on five. They scored shorthanded. What did can this team not do? I mean, they even got the shutout, right? Everything was great. And I think if you ask Coach Jared Bednar, I'm sure there are even aspects of the game he would like to clean up here and there. There is always something you can clean up, and, and the reality is uh, you want to make sure that you're never complacent heading from one game into the other. And, you know, we talked about this in our preview podcast. Uh, and I believe I use these words specifically. You can be up three nothing in the series. You can be up three to nothing in game four with an opportunity to close it out. You still have to make sure you're making adjustments and you're doing the things that you've been doing all season to win these types of games. Because if you don't, the series is going to get away from you because the team on the other side is that good if you give them an inch. So right now the Avalanche aren't giving the Tampa Bay Lightning an inch. They're doing literally everything you can to beat them. Their penalty kill has been exceptional. And that's something that they've been struggling with pretty much the entire playoffs. They're scoring on the power play, and they're making big plays to get those power plays. Like, very first shift of the game. Pucks drop, Tampa Bay Lightning win the faceoff. They go into the offensive zone, and they keep the Avalanche's top line of Landeskog, McKinnon. And, and by the way, Landeskog barely said his name today. Mm -hmm. Like, that speaks to the depth of the Avs. But back to that first shift, because Arif always goes off topic like that. Um, McKinnon, Nichushkin, and Landeskog. The top line's on the ice with McCarr and Taves. Tampa Bay's circling the puck and cycling the puck in the offensive zone, and you're like, oh boy, this is that response. So they keep it down there for about 30 seconds till the Avs finally get it out of the zone. McKinnon goes for a change. Landeskog goes for a change. McCarr goes for a change. T Taves goes for a change. Meanwhile, Val Nichushkin's at the other end forechecking yep. and taking the puck away and gets it deep into the zone, and then he goes off the ice. And not five seconds later, I believe it was JT Comfort drew a penalty. And the reason why JT Comfort was in the offensive zone to draw penalties because Nichushkin made the most of the end of his shift to finish his shift and pre probably go over his time of what his shift should have been to get the puck as deep as he can into that Tempe Lightning zone and really forecheck and be aggressive that way. The tenacity we've seen all, se all season, tenaciousness we've seen all season from him. I like tenacity. So, <laughs> so excuse me. So, he does that. They draw the penalty. He scores on the power play. Those are the difference makers. Those are the big plays they're making that the Tampa Bay Lightning just aren't. It's one thing leading to another. It's a culmination mm -hmm. of good decisions, good plays that are leading to goals. 
that's making it seem like the game is just a complete domination aside from the score sheet. Aside from the fact that the Aswan 7 nothing, they are doing everything right along the way that the Tampa Bay Lightning just can't seem to do. Yeah, I mean, we've heard the phrase, I don't know, a hundred <laughs> times in the last week, I would say, and that's playing to our identity, right? That's what you've heard from both Coach Jared Bednar and any player that comes out to speak. It's almost like he's regurgitating the words right out of Jared Bednar's mouth. So props to the coaching and drilling that in their head, but also props to the players for executing on all aspects of the game. They're playing to their identity. They're playing hard. They're playing physical. They're playing fast, and they're just tough to play against. I mean, it feels like Tampa Bay is a half step behind every single play. They're not expecting the forecheck to come in on them this hard. They're not expecting the uh, the breakout to fly through the neutral zone that fast. And, and it's just, again, wild to see from two teams that are allegedly two of the best in the NHL. Yeah, I mean, the only thing that I've heard this team say more in the locker room between Jared Bednar and the players, the only thing I've heard them say more than playing to our, our identity, which is what I was talking about earlier, is jobs not finished. The Tampa Bay Lightning are down 2 nothing. The Tampa Bay Lightning lost a the game. They didn't lose a series. And that's kind of the common theme that we heard on the other side. The Tampa Bay Lightning side, that's what they kept saying is, you know, John Cooper was talking about how whether you lose 7 nothing, whether you lose 4-3 in overtime, you lose a game, you move on to the next one. And I firmly believe that. There's no such thing as game over game momentum unless it comes to the point where you see teams that are down 3 nothing enter game 4 kind of like with their shoulders down and you know they're down and out. The Nashville Predators come to mind. Hell, even the Calgary Flames a few years ago and the Avs had a 3-1 to series lead. But Tampa Bay being down 2 nothing, entering game 3, whether they lost one nothing or 7 nothing in game in game 2, they're going into that game with the idea in mind, with the mindset that we haven't lost a series, we lost a game. So the Avalanche know the job's not finished. They know they got to stick to their identity. The Tampa Bay Lightning on the other end know they, the losses all count the same. So we have to sit here and do the same thing. Despite talking about all the things that the Avalanche are doing, we have to sit here and automatically mm -hmm. assume and expect that going into game three, everything starts over. It's Avalanche, it's Lightning. And can the Avalanche, again, once again, do what they were doing and take over a game, or are the Tampa Bay Lightning going to bounce back? And that's the thought, right? I mean, we've seen Tampa Bay already do it a couple times, just this playoffs alone, come back from down 2 nothing, but it just doesn't feel to have that same vibe. I, I don't know. Maybe you could look back at that first series against Toronto, and everybody pretty much counted Tampa Bay to be out, right? Um, but they, they, they bounced back. I just I don't. I, I don't know. I guess I, it Toronto feels, and Colorado are similar it feels, teams. It feels different this time, and this it goes does. back to the original point that I made, is the Tampa Bay Lightning don't feel like the better team. Mm -hmm. When the New York Rangers took a 2 to nothing series lead, and you and I were sitting there for, the, you know, for that first week of that series, like, oh, my God, they might actually do this. We might actually go to New York City. There's a reason why we were saying it that way, because you don't expect the New York Rangers to beat the Tampa Bay Lightning. Even the Florida-Tampa Bay series, I don't care what anybody says. I went into that series thinking, this is Tampa Bay series. Did I think it was going to be a sweep where they only surrender three goals? Eh, probably not. But I knew going into that series that Tampa Bay was the better team and was the more dominant team, and they proved to be such. Tampa Bay-Toronto, the feeling that I had after the Maple Leafs took Game 5 was, oh my God, they might actually do this. And again, you don't say things like, oh my God, they might actually do this. When you're talking about the better team, you say that when you're talking about the underdog for the first time, the Tampa Bay Lightning are going into a series facing a team that is far more superior than anything they faced in the past. It's the avalanche and then it's everybody else in terms of who they've played. 
And that's not to take away anything from what they have, you know, already faced. The crazy part about the Lightning's path to the Stanley Cup this year, Toronto Maple Leafs, Florida Panthers, New York Rangers, Colorado Avalanche. Those four teams combined in the regular season for 220 victories. That's an average of 55 wins per team. Those are crazy fucking numbers. Ten years ago, four teams didn't even hit 55 wins. Four teams barely hit 50 wins. So they've had a tough road. But those first three just don't feel like what the Avalanche feel like, even though the Panthers had more points in them in the regular season. Yeah, perhaps it's the the tired <laughs> aspect coming to peak its ugly head for them, or perhaps they're just outmatched. But what you're seeing for sure is a, a Tampa Bay team that can't keep up, right? I mean, they can't even get through, across the blue line cleanly. They have to dump everything uh, that they get across center ice, and then they end up in a 50-50 battle that they're 10 tending to lose to, to the avalanche here so as far as offense goes they can't seem to generate much at all um, and everything that they are getting towards Darcy Kemper he was able to start stop tonight so let's look at Darcy Kemper's game um, and really along quick that, before, yeah, if you before we, move, yeah, before on we move on on the Tampa Bay lack of offense yeah before we move on to Kemper I do want to touch on that I was on a radio show in Sportsnet 590 the fan earlier this morning after morning skate and they asked me if the Avalanche have the ability to shut down the Tampa Bay Lightning when the games get away from the offense and get more to, you know, more of those shutdown type of games. And my response was, they're already doing that. Because in game one, and, you know, despite the fact that game one was a four to three overtime victory, we mentioned this last time when the Tampa Bay Lightning scored the three to three goal until the end of regulation and the overtime, which was only a minute 23. They had eight shots in about 27 minutes and 47 seconds. That's the exact time, actually. They had eight shots in just a little less than half an hour of game time. The Avalanche shut down the Tempe Lightning. They kept them at bay. They've now only surrendered 16 shots tonight. That's 39 in two games. Can the Avalanche shut down the Tampa Bay Lightning's offense, choke them offensively the way that a team like the New York Islanders can, or like maybe a John Tortorella coach New York Rangers team in the past can? Yes, absolutely. Here's the difference. The Avalanche do it by driving the play offensively. The Avalanche do it by possessing the puck and making exciting plays along the way. It's a new wave. It's a new form of, 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 of coaching that we're seeing from Jared Bednar where just because it doesn't look boring like the old Minnesota Wild Jacques Lemaire teams or, or uh, a team coached by John Tortorella or what we see with the Islanders with Barry Trotz, just because it doesn't look boring, it doesn't mean the Avalanche can't shut her down. That's what everybody always says is, well, the Avalanche can play the offensive games, but can they play the defensive game? Do they have to win 2-1 to one for it to be considered a defensive game? Because as far as I'm concerned, the Lightning having 39 shots in two friggin' full-length games is incredible work by the Avalanche's defense. And I would argue to say that the, the Avalanche defense is, I mean, that's basically what you're saying, but the Avalanche defense is a major piece to what they're doing. I mean, what I just pointed out is, Tampa Bay can't really get a clean entry into the zone and are, are having to just throw the pucks in the corners and hope to go get it out. Uh, I, I think that tells you everything you need to know about what the Avalanche are doing in terms of clogging the middle, uh, the neutral zone that is, and of course preventing the breakout from getting any momentum and any speed. I mean, it, it's shocking to me because Tampa Bay has a lot of speed themselves and a lot of skill and a lot of talent, but for some reason they just can't even seem to get it out of their own zone. They're overwhelmed. Overwhelmed is the one word that I've seen used more than anything else when describing the Lightning's offense or the Lightning as a whole in the series. Vasilevsky, John Cooper. John Cooper's going up there and he's pumping Jared Bednar's tires and the Avalanche's tires. Not because he's a nice guy, which he is. Not because he's a classy guy, which he is. Because he's genuinely overwhelmed. This is the two-time defending Stanley Cup champions head coach 
and he feels like he's running out of answers. Does that mean he's bending over and calling it a series? Absolutely not. Does that mean the Tampa Bay Lightning aren't going to come th come out and uh, potentially win two games in Amelie Arena and bring it back to Ball Arena tied 2-2? Two to two? That could still happen. But what it looks like right now is the Tampa Bay Lightning are overwhelmed from their coach to their goalie who refuses to get pulled in games to their forwards, their top stars, their defense, even their depth energy guys. Usually the Tempe Lightning send out Belmar, Maroon, and Perry, the line that I've been friggin' pumping their tires since September. Usually they send out that line to create energy. That line's coming out and nothing. Yeah, you're seeing a lot of panic plays from uh, Tampa Bay, right? <laughs> and that brings us to the conversation of the uh, the nonsense that was starting to, to spur up, mainly out of Corey Perry, but uh, the dust-up at the end of the third was a little bit ugly. But aside from that, I'm constantly amazed, and again, this is credit to the coaching, at, at Colorado's ability to just walk away from it all, right? That's not the goal. That's not what they're here to do. They're here to win hockey games, and as long as they're winning, they're fine. They'll walk away. They'll skate right away from anybody who's trying to – uh, cause any any stuff, right? Yeah, there was, it up. there was a play there where I pointed it out to you where Devon Taves was going at it with, I want to say Perry or Killorn, someone. He was going, I mean, Perry's an easy guess because it was probably him. Mm -hmm. But he was going at it with somebody who had just cross-checked or hit Kale McCarr from behind. And Devon Taves was coming to stick up for McCarr. Yep. McCarr gets up from his, he was on his knees and down on the ice. He gets up. And pushes Taves away with him. Kind of like, don't worry about it. You don't got to do this. Let's just beat him. Darren Helm did the same thing. What was it, late in the second there yep. with Pat Maroon? Pat Maroon tried to go right at Darren Helm at the final buzzer of the second period, which he did. He hit him into the boards, and Darren Helm popped right back up and just skated right by him. Nothing. Mm -hmm. And when you ask him about it after the game, what do they do? They shrug it off. They don't even want to answer the question. They tried to get it out of Darcy Kemper two or three times. All the stuff that was going on in the crease with him and Perry and other guys coming through and shouldering him and trying to push and shove him. It made Darcy Kemper uncomfortable. He was like, I don't want to answer just, this I, question. Uh, yeah, yeah, just yeah. I don't eat. Uh, he just was like yeah. tripping over his words to basically say, I'm not I'm not going there. Yeah. I don't want to go there. I'm not interested in going there. It wasn't as much as him wanting to feel awkward as this isn't even worth my time because it's not my focus. And that's the, what this team has had the entire season. And they've shown it here for two games against the Lightning as well. Yeah, and interesting to me that the, the Lightning try to play that game because it doesn't seem uh, like it, it's exactly their style, right? I mean, with John Cooper and Jared Bednar being such similar coaches, you got to think that John Cooper's message about that stuff is the same as Jared Bednar's. Stay out of it, and uh, th well, that's not what we're here to do. But I will say that Tampa Bay Lightning have created this reputation these last three years of being bullies. And then when they go out and sign guys like Perry and Belmar to add to already having Patrick Maroon, it just sort of kind of adds to the fact that, you know, they lost a little bit of it in Goudreau and Coleman, but they are, they do tend to be bullies and they do tend to play that style of game. And uh, Leaf Blower guys here to join us on the podcast with their new mics. We're not, we're not sure how much of it you guys can hear, but Tampa Bay tends to try to play that kind of a game, but the Avalanche aren't letting them knock it off. Like, like not knock the Avalanche aren't letting Tampa Bay knock them off of their game even a little bit by going to that well well it's got to be frustrating for their fourth line right because you look you compare the two fourth lines and one's built on speed and and hustle the other one's just built on size yeah. and grit one of them is you know perry belmar and maroon going out there and bullying you and these are guys that can pitch in offensively too the other one is darren helm scoring top cheese from <laughs> from the slot like cogliano on multiple breaks there, I think he had a breakaway of his own, and then he was on that two-on-one shorthanded play with McCarr. 
Uh, he he had the two on one play with Manson as well. That Manson shot it. Manson's goal, like, it's just, it's everything is going right for the Avalanche right now. It's 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 hard to pinpoint something that Tamp the Tampa Bay Lightning can do. What I was saying before we started the series, where I said that the Lightning are the kind of team that feels out their opponent like a UFC fighter, finds the weaknesses and then strikes. What weaknesses have you found in these two games? Right. I mean, they're just playing so well at the right time. And, you know, I think looking at years past, that's what collapsed the avalanche, right? Something fell apart. Everybody got injured or, uh, you know, certain players weren't able to be in the lineup and then things went to hell. But with this year, none of that's happening. I mean, even with certain players dropping out, they're still finding ways to dig deep because of the way they've built the team, but because of the way they've prepared the last couple of years and just the overall mindset. I mean, it's truly amazing what we're watching here. Two, two wins away from raising the cup, and it still doesn't feel like they've really broken too much of a sweat. Yeah. Ultimately, the Avalanche are 14-2 and two in the playoffs. They have to not lose four or five games, and they are Stanley Cup champions. Yep. Crazy As stuff. It's, it's mind-boggling to say that out loud. It's, it's insane. It's so crazy. Like, the way that they're doing it, 14-2, and two, uh, they've won now, what was it, four, five, six, seven straight games since the game that they blew against the St. Louis Blues in game five. And how wild is it that if things keep going this way in this series, we can look back at the St. Louis series as the hardest series of this whole stretch? Yeah, absolutely. And it I wasn't mean, even really that hard. I wouldn't even call Tampa Bay's second hardest if it continues this way. I'd give that to the Edmonton Oilers. And then Tampa Bay could duke it out with Nashville for who was easiest. <laughs> Again, it's two games in. We're getting ahead of ourselves, and I, I completely understand that. But... Um, Tampa Bay just something has to change for them, and they haven't given you any inclination that they they know what that is. What exactly, that's the thing. That's the part that catches me most. But the most important thing when you look at these series is, I'm looking at it right now as the Avalanche can't possibly lose four or five games. But the Tampa Bay Lightning, the way they're looking at it is, win game three. That's it. That's your only focus. You win game three, it's suddenly a two to one series. Okay, now you go into game four, it's a two to one series. Well, what if you win game four? Now everything we were saying after game two is suddenly wiped away wiped because now clean. it's a best of, best out of three. Mm -hmm. Now here's where it gets fun. The Tampa Bay Lightning are five and six on the road after losing these two games. They are seven and one at home. The one loss they have at Amelie Arena in the playoffs this year was their very first game of the Stanley Cup playoffs. It was the one against the Toronto Maple Leafs game three because they started the series on the road. Since then, they have won seven straight home games. Flip it over to the other side. The Avalanche have played seven games on the road. They've won every single one. Tampa Bay is going home for game three on Monday night, which you and I will both be at at Amelie Arena. Tampa Bay Lightning have won seven straight games at home. The Avalanche have won all seven of their games on the road. This is going to be a battle, and the winner that... The Avalanche take that game. It's, it's, it's the point of no return. No, you're right. That is that's the most pivotal game right now, right? I mean, that's why I think you heard Kale McCarr in that post game interview asked if he was going to celebrate. He immediately answered no because this this next game is where it really matters. And if they if they Avalanche slip and Tampa Bay wins this next one, you're right. The the well, suddenly game four, the is, Lightning is suddenly huge. have belief and they have some hope. You're you're spot on with that. Yeah. So. You just got to take it a game at a time. And I love what Josh Manson said about the team's mindset is to split everything to five-minute increments. Every five minutes, they reset. Did we play good for five minutes? Yes. Did we play good for five minutes? Yeah, we outscored them one nothing. This one, we outscored them one nothing. This one, we outscored them 2 nothing. And then you look up at the score sheet after 60 minutes, and you're like, holy shit, did we just win 7 nothing? 
because I was so busy worrying about the fact that we were scoring one goal more than them in every five-minute segment. Suddenly it's 7 nothing. Like, that's the way that they're going about things, and that's the way that Jared Bednar has instilled uh, this, this system in their mind and, and his tactic to really keeping his team fresh throughout the game. Yeah, and you got to love Josh Manson's goal celebration, right? But by the end of <laughs> the game, when Kale McCarr scores his second goal, his celebration compared to Josh Manson's, completely different celebrations, and just, again, another testament to how they have their mind in the right place. And, you know, Kale McCarr's not going to celebrate the seventh goal because they're far from actually celebrating anything. There's there's a lot more to go, and it's crazy to say that five-minute increments, you're looking at 12 of them in every game's regulation. To sweep this team, you got to have a successful 24 segments, and they know that. Oh, you said it. You said the word, the S word. Segments? Sweep. Sweep. Oh. Sweep. <laughs> I'm like, segments? What's wrong <laughs> with that word? Um but yeah, it's just it seems like uh, game three. Game three. I think we were talking about this before the series. Who are we having this conversation with? Of what's the most important game in a series? I think it was. I don't know if you were involved in it, but it was a bunch of media guys. We were all talking about it, and I said game three is the most important game in the series because whether you're the home team that you know splits on splits at home, and then you head on the road, you want to steal home ice advantage back in game three. That's the most important game. If you're the road team and you split on the road. If you're like if you're the lower seeded team and you split the first two games, you want to come in in game three and keep home ice advantage and win. If you're the road team and you lose the first two games like the Tampa Bay Lightning did against the Rangers, you want to come home for game three and win that game to remain in the series, which is where they are at right now with the Avalanche. Alternatively, if you have a two to nothing series lead, mm -hmm. you want to win game three because that gives you all the opportunity in the world and like a 99.9% chance of winning the series. Game three to me is always the series shifter. That's the one that matters most. And if you go back to the St. Louis Blues series, the Blues took game two. They split the Avalanche's two games at Ball Arena. They took it back to St. Louis with the idea in mind that we now have home ice advantage. And Nathan McKinnon said, we're going to go there. We're going to steal one, hopefully two. Well, they stole game three, then they stole game four. And that was pissed away pretty quick. So game three to me is always the most important, and that's going to be the same exact thing here, especially for the Lightning that are pretty much hanging on for dear life. That's a must win if, if, if I've ever seen one. Yeah, I agree. And there's no signs from Tampa Bay that tell me that they're going to be able to get back in this game, in this series. But, uh, you know, it all rides on game three. We'll see. Still too early to tell. But for right now, we got to talk about our friends over at Total Beverage. Everybody knows Total Beverage in Westminster and Thornton, right? Sure, Total Beverage has an incredible selection of beer, wine, and spirits. But did you know they deliver? Did you know they have curbside pickup available? And did you know they do online wine education classes? If not, it's time to get to know Total Beverage again. Stop by on 104th and Thornton or on Sheridan in Westminster and see for yourself. Or you can always find weekly deals, events, and even drink recipes online at TotalBev.com. Total Beverage, everything you need and more. Arif, let's get into some individual performances. I think there's a lot to get into with seven goals on the, on the board. But I think tonight everybody was anticipating... Andrew Cogliano, right? We talked about it in our morning video today. It was all over Twitter this morning while he's back on the ice, back in the lineup. He ends up with two assists and uh, a pretty solid game out of Andrew Cogliano, despite only playing, you know, 10, what, what is it, 10 minutes, 16 minutes is what he got at, at the end of the night. Um, you know, so, oh, no, 12.55. I was looking at JT Conk. I was going to say, I'm like, 16 minutes yeah. is quite a bit. 12.55 yeah. out of Andrew Cogliano. And you know a lot assists. of that is inflated given the fact that you're up, you know, 5 nothing entering the third period. You want to keep rolling the lines. There's mm -hmm. no reason to overplay your top guys. Sure. 
So yeah, I mean, his game as a whole was 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 everything you expected it to be. I mean, the crazy thing about the Avs, and you know, we've talked about this in years past, and I heard somebody that has a Toronto Maple Leafs uh, centric podcast mention this recently, and I've done this recently in the past when I've watched Stanley Cup Finals too. To win the Stanley Cup, every single player on your team, on that roster that you're icing, has to matter. What's the joke that I always make? The joke I always make is the Avalanche, when they first started to make the playoffs, 2018, 2019, those years, every time they you know, ha- had an injury, you would look at their lines, and it's like McKinnon and all these lines, Soderberg and you know, lack of depth. And then you go to the fourth line, and Gabriel Bork's on there. So you're like, all right, we have nine or ten pretty good players, and then two guys that don't matter much. The Toronto Maple Leafs podcast that I was listening to said the same thing. They said, we're watching this avalanche game. We're watching Darren Helm. We're watching Nico Sturm. And we're watching Andrew Cogliano. And we're looking at that and saying, yeah, the Maple Leafs don't have this on their fourth line. Every person that steps in has to matter. And even though Andrew Cogliano is a fourth liner, Mm -hmm. even though he's only playing 12 minutes a night, and that's the 12 minutes that he's going to play in a game where it's a blowout, so he's getting more ice time. He still matters enough that we've been talking about him for a week saying, God, we wish this guy can return because we know he's going to be a difference maker. Yeah, and he was exactly that. I mean, I, I don't think he was such a difference maker that you, you would ooh and an on over what he did. But when you look at the score sheet and you see the subtlety of what he brought and uh, just the strength of, of his simple presence, I mean, obviously it made a big impact. The other guy I want to talk about, I think, has the same story, a subtle impact. But he's been doing it all playoffs long, right? Miko Rantanen with three assists tonight. Ties him for the lead for Avalanche assists in these playoffs at 17 with Kale McCarr. And, you know, I think this is a guy that a lot of us were, um, I guess, expecting more out of, hoping to see some more offensive production. It came a little bit there in the Edmonton series, but now he's back to his he scored in every ways. He scored in every game in the Edmonton series. One of them was an empty netter, but he entered the Edmonton series with one goal and had a goal, at least a goal in every one of those games. So he's been picking it up since the Western Conference Final. Right, and g- just getting back to the assisting uh, as a primary form of production here from Miko Ranton, I think I think it's fine. I, you know, in the earlier series, it, it might have hurt a little bit more and you were wanting more out of Miko Rantanen, but when he's helping the other guys that he's helping and he's skating on a different line and he's helping them produce as well, I think uh, you just got to take the assist for what they are in this run, and that's just what he's doing and the way he's contributing on this, uh, in this he's develop- He's making nice plays. Yeah. So that's all that matters. He's not collecting exactly. secondary assists just to be on the score sheet. He's making nice plays. He's generating opportunities. And it's the same thing with Nathan McKinnon. I asked uh, – who was it that I asked? I want to say – it was Josh Manson. I asked Josh Manson about the fact that, like, hey, you guys win this game 7 nothing. You've got 11 goals in two games. Nathan McKinnon doesn't even have a goal. Like, what does that say about your depth? And uh, he avoided the depth part and went on to say – just because Nathan McKinnon doesn't have a goal doesn't mean he's not contributing. He's controlling play. He's exhausting them. He's wearing them down. He's setting up, you know, other guys. He's uh, he's doing a lot of the things where you'll see Nathan McKinnon come out, have an exceptional shift, and then go for a change, and the next shift goes out and scores because the Lightning are just on their heels. So com- completely avoided my question because it made it sound like as if I was saying McKinnon's having a bad series, and that's completely false. So it's the same thing with Miko Rannan. Just because he's not scoring goals, it doesn't mean he's not generating – and I'm acting, and I'm saying that all the while knowing Miko Rantanen is—he's right up there in points on the team. Uh, he led the team in points in the regular season. He's just—he's underratedly a great playmaker. That when he's not scoring, we always sit there and go, "Well, where's Miko gonna score?" And even when we were asking him after the National Series and then after the St. Louis Series, like, 
hey, you've got one goal and it was an empty netter. And he he didn't even sweat it. Like, he shrugged it off every single time. I feel like I'm generating and I'm going to get it. And Jared said the same thing and his teammates said the same thing. And lo and behold, Edmonton series, he scores every game. And now in the Tampa Bay series, he's just racking up those assists again. So he's doing what he has to do. And fact of the matter is, it's not like the Avalanche are aching for goals and we're like, where are the stars? Nowhere to be seen. Nathan McKinnon, nowhere to be seen. Miko Ranton in terms of goals. No. Josh Manson is scoring goals. Darren Helm is scoring goals. Val Natrushkin's got three in this series. Everybody's pitching in. Burakovsky's got a couple of big goals and, you know, obviously left this game injured to the point where he doesn't need to be scoring if he's generating in other ways. And that's what I wanted to get into next was Andre Burakovsky. Only played just under eight minutes the entire night. Obviously had an impact with his goal and an assist, but um, I guess you're – anticipation what do you think is going to happen with Burakovsky you think he just jumps right back in and uh, I mean we heard it was further evaluation needed so not exactly a great sign out of Jared Bednar but do you think he gets back in this series right away uh, we'll see um, I saw that it was uh, a pass or something from Victor Hedman that hit him in the hand and uh, maybe all the Avalanche players are just going to raise the cup with nine fingers at this point because that just kind of <laughs> seems like what's happening. So maybe it was a hand, you know, maybe it was a finger, maybe it was a wrist, maybe it was other parts of his hand. Uh, who knows? But, um, you know, Andrew Cogliano had surgery on his ring finger and he's already back and ready to rock and roll because it's a little bit different than the thumb that Kadri's dealing with. So I guess we'll uh, spend the next couple weeks. The series is not going to go for another couple weeks, even if it goes seven. But we'll spend the next week or so. Uh, talking about a thumb, a ring finger, and maybe a pinky. I don't know. We'll see. But uh, the further evaluation is exactly what it is. It's it's uh, they don't know yet, and um, you know a lot will be determined by if Burakovsky is skating with the main group next time they take the ice, which is going to be tough to kind of uh, use that as a gauge because he takes a lot of maintenance days regardless. Um, so I guess easy answer is we're just going to have to wait until the pregame warmup of Game Three. Yeah, which I think after your breakdown, you want to say, yes, he's going to jump back in the lineup, but you don't want to go well, ahead. Well, it's hard to say because what if it's further evaluation is he's got a broken thumb? Well, and apparently you just wrap it up, put a piece of plastic over it, and get back out there. Thumb. Because right. Kadri's been out yeah, there for a true. couple days. All he's right. not shooting. So who knows? Like it's it's It ultimately is what it is. It's a coin flip. They don't know what it is yet, and you know, there's no – this isn't as big a player as Nazem Kaji where people – and nor was it as big in a, and, and as uh, – there wasn't a lot of hoopla around what injured him like there was with the Kadri hit from Evander Kane where you don't have big media checking in on their sources. We're all just kind of waiting to see what happens. We're not going to get anything tomorrow. The Avalanche are going to speak at the airport in the morning and then head straight to Tampa Bay. They're going to have their morning skate on Monday, but he's been taking a lot of maintenance days, so I don't think that's going to determine much if he's not on the ice because he probably won't be even if he was healthy. It's going to have to be, if it's an 8 p.m. Eastern time puck drop for game three, it's going to have to be at 725 when they take the ice for pregame. The guessing game continues, right? That's the, that's the way things go around And the here. next man up, who's the guy that sat today? Nicholas Abe-Kubel. Welcome back into the lineup if Berkey can't go. Yep, and you know he's itching to get back out there, which makes me think about Kadri, right? You know, as a, as a warrior and a, a guy who just lives and breathes the, the game of hockey, it hurts him more than anything to not be able to be out there for the Stanley Cup final. Just like it hurt him last year to not be out there with his team, you know, to, to help them either get past Vegas or to just to be there to lose with them. I mean, just being there with your teammates is everything. So, you know, thoughts to Kadri, and hopefully he gets back out there. Thoughts to Burakovsky, hopefully he stays out there. You don't want to see any of these guys hurt. You want to see them 
uh, celebrate with their teammates or go down with the ship if they mm -hmm. have to. Yeah, Kadri's probably sitting here busting his ass off going, Game 5, I've got a circle on my calendar. Mm -hmm. I'll be back Game 5. I'll be back Game 5. And now he's sitting there like, God damn it, there might even be in Game 5. Like, <laughs> what the hell is going on here? And that's basically how it was last year, right? The Avs, if they would have just won one more game, oh, he was yeah. ready to yep. use the next game in. So, um, yeah, we'll see how that shakes out. But if there is a game five, it's six days from today. So it could be a week from now. All this is already said and done. It's flying past us right before our eyes, right, Arif? It just feels like media so day was the other day, and now it's already a 2-0 series. That was, what, on Tuesday? And, you know, you guys are listening to this on Sunday, which, you know, Father's Day and my birthday for traveling to – Tampa Bay on that day is going to be pretty fun. Um, it's just it's flying by. It's it's crazy to think that, you know, if the series ends in four or five, a week from today, it's over. If it ends in six, it's a week from what, Monday? No, it's a week from Sunday. And yep. if it goes seven, that's in nine or ten days. And, you know, it's going to take a lot for it to go seven. They'll have to lose three or four games. So um, it's just it's it's going to be over before we know it. Yep, yep, yeah. And again, just like I'm saying, I, the Avalanche and the way they're playing still doesn't even feel like they are really stressed. No. At not one point have they looked nervous. Not one point have they felt like they weren't in control of the, the entire series. The entire playoffs has been that way. They've played 16 playoff games. That's it. That's it. Indeed. The toughest part of the year might be uh, whatever they do in free agency. So, uh, yeah, let's wrap it up here, I guess. This is a good time to stop the podcast. And happy birthday to Arif. Arif, I hope you have a great year. 29, is it? 29 wow. on Sunday, June 19. So if you're listening to this, make sure to wish Arif a happy birthday. And, uh, of course, like Arif said, we're going to be both of us out in Tampa Bay. So we'll keep hitting you with our... Uh, fantastic content and post-game podcast will be out there so what are those pranks that players usually do where it's like one guy goes out and comes back and his entire bed is like in the hallway or some shit should we do stuff like that i mean i've got tons of hockey pranks i just might fuck around with you we'll see yeah what's uh, yeah i got one for you the bucket leaning against the door right and then i knock <laughs> oh, on it jesus christ <laughs> we got a couple fun. we got a couple we can have some fun or we should get some of the other media members figure out which hotels they're in and uh what rooms they're in uh but yeah that'll do it for us from game two seven to nothing colorado avalanche seven zero steam rolling their Crazy. way 14 wins down two to go i can't believe it i remember saying two wins down 14 to go yeah not that long ago so here we are guys just the other day thanks so much for hanging out with us and uh <coughs> enjoying this ride with us let's con continue to enjoy it we're almost there and uh almost done with it so we'll see you in tampa bay Thanks for hanging out with us. If you made this far in the podcast, bless that pretty little heart of yours. Let's make hockey for everyone. We out you. Mm -hmm.